Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Hallelujah. Well, I want to just pick up from, we're in a series at the moment, but I really believe there's nothing where the Spirit of God can't work on a series. <laughs> because as we know from Leadership 360, if anyone's been in that, that God loves planning, he loves structure, but he also wants to move by spirit. We need the breath and the structure. And so I really believe that God just put this on my heart and just began to unravel things of uh, the Rewind series that we opened up last week. So we last week's session, we if you haven't heard it, you can catch up online. It's called Retracing Your Steps. And we looked at what it meant for, in Luke chapter 24, for the two disciples who were uh, walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, when they were walking away in such disappointment, uh, away from Jerusalem, Jesus has died and people are saying he's been resurrected, but they're kind of disappointed and discouraged. And they're walking away from that. And in that time of walking away in another direction, uh, Jesus comes along and meets them and reminds them of the word of God. He reminds them and takes them back to all the way through the word of God to make them realize that what's happening is actually in God's plan. How many of you know sometimes that the steps that you, you're ordered in, sometimes you have to go downhill uh, and sometimes go uphill. Sometimes it's hard, but it's still the same direction of God. God is with us all the time. So we were looking at what it meant to come back to the word of God in our lives. And then it says that when they spent time with him, their hearts burned. Wow. The presence, as we've just seen and, and heard from, from Bucky here, that the presence of God is so important in our lives that I don't know about you, but I don't want to just come to church and um, I don't want to just come to church and, and learn things. I want to, my heart to burn in his presence so that when I read the word of God, it comes alive. Yeah, that's what we need. So we need our hearts to burn again. And sometimes we've got to go back to the place of presence again. I was talking about rewinding, going back to, before we can move forward, we have to sometimes go back to these places of the word. We have to go back to the, the presence, our closet, where we close ourselves off. Some people have, have stopped doing this. And then the final thing I looked at was returning to God's purpose. You know, it's interesting that, you know, what happened is they returned. They went straight back to Jerusalem where they just left because that's where Jesus was about to pour out. The, the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out for purpose to be released. And I really believe that some of us today need to run back to him, back to the presence, back to the Holy Spirit, for God to do what he wants to do. Philippians 3.14, Paul says this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We can, we can take a very linear approach to our faith if we're not careful and think everything's got to be in one direction. But actually, what I've come to learn and I want to help you and teach you on is that actually serving God is not linear. It's not something that you get A to B and you see a destination that's so straight. But actually sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but actually you can get off a road sometimes, go in a completely different direction. And if you look at your route afterwards, you realize you've done a few loops and why did I do that? Well, God does that with your life. Why? To avoid things, to teach you things, to test you and release you into new seasons. Amen? How many of you know if there's a test in your life, there's going to be a testimony that will come from it? Amen? I want to talk today and we're going to read some scripture. John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus. A favorite story of mine where Lazarus is raised from the dead. We talked about resurrection life today. So we 
John chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to try and read this quickly so I can just get in to what I need to say. Verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Wow, that's faith, isn't it? (laughs) On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And verse 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Wow. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands And feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to try and take, be as quick as I can take. Because I want to pray for people today. I believe God wants to continue doing what he's doing here. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to do that. But just help me to speak right now to what you want to say. The title of this message in this part two is this, Tomb Raiders. Tomb Raiders. I believe that there's many of us in our walk, our Christian faith, that we move on and we press on towards goals. 
And we sometimes forget the things that God was already doing. And we, because they failed, we leave them. We see them as a failure. We see opposition as that wasn't God really doing anything there. So actually, it's better to go in this direction. But I want to talk to you today because I believe that there are people here that have left things that have failed. They've given up on certain things in their life that actually still have the ability to be resurrected. They have the ability for you to go back to them rather than to move on without them. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm encouraged that, that Jesus, the God who I serve, the Jesus we've been singing to today is the resurrection and the life. And if you get that in your spirit, you realize that if you understand that he is the resurrection and the life, he will give you a better reaction to life. Okay? You'll have a better reaction to life when you understand he is the resurrection and the life. Because when we get this, we understand that we're not determined by the things that are happening around us. He is the resurrection. Jesus said to them in verse 4, he said this, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Do you know what I find interesting is he says these things, but yet he still arrives four days after. Jesus He's always on time, but yet sometimes we think he's late. You see, the problem is, you, what, are you in your four days at the moment where you said four days have passed and that is a dead, that's dead and gone. That's a pointless activity. That is something. That ministry that I was operating in. That thing where God was using me and it didn't work because I didn't get the finances. This thing didn't work in my relationship with someone and now this is happening. And so now I'm, I'm ditching that. I'm moving on because I'm pressing on towards the goal. But let me tell you, sometimes your goals are going back to tombs. <laughs> sometimes your goal is to go back to what's dead why? Because you serve the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter if it's dead. You can go back and speak to it. Speak life. Do you realize that what you speak can bring life? When we understand that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, we get to understand that actually what we speak brings life. It brings life. And I want to tell you today, there are some people right now in this room, it's time to stop just looking towards what's nice and go back to that which died and speak to it again and start resurrecting things because God has given you the ability to rewind and go back and have the hope again for that. That hope does not come from the world. It comes from the one who gives the hope. It comes from the one who gives me an anchor for my soul. Hallelujah. Jesus. Number one, one of the first things I want to say to you today to encourage you is this, that what we have to do in our lives in these situations is revisit our resistance. Revisit our resistance. They said this, let us go back, Jesus says, to Judea. And this is the first thing that his disciples say, Rabbi, you can't do that. You can't go back. What Are you, are you crazy, Jesus? Don't you realize they tried to stone you in Judea? If you go back there, you're dead. Are you, let us go back. Let us go back. 
you know, if you read the scriptures, you'll see that what he did is he crossed over back to where John the Baptist was in a safer place. And his ministry says that people were believing in that area. If you read the scriptures, you'll see this. But yet, even though people were believing, even though he was having a good time, he's pressing on toward the goal. He realizes that he needs to go back even to a place where they were stoning him. Sometimes you've got to rewind and retract back to places of resistance. Why? Because God will do the greatest victories in the places of hostility. Your greatest victory that's ahead of you is sometimes in the hostile, hostile places behind you. The things you left. Why? You look at the book of Acts. The persecution that comes against them. Hostile places, bad environments is where God brings victory. And so some of us have got to say, do you know what? It's time to start to let the fire of the Holy Ghost begin to resurrect in me the, the, the belief again that God can resurrect my marriage. He can resurrect my relationship. He can resurrect my finances. Come on. Come on. Speak it over your life. Believe it again. Stop telling yourself that the devil's won. The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. He lies from the very beginning. He tells you these things to, to, to stop you from praying. It's time to say, devil, I've had enough of you. I'm believing because I serve the resurrection and the life. Four days though, four days. It's the, the tomb will smell. Four days. Hallelujah. Jesus went back to his greatest resistance. I don't know about you, but if you think about this, if someone said to you, welcome to our new course, Christianity Explored. We want to teach you on the book of Philippians and, you know, going back, pressing on towards the goal. And then someone said to you, you know, I want you to go back to that worst place where someone tried to stone you. You're going to think, no, that, that's not the way. That's not the way to be a Christian. To be a Christian, let me tell you, God will take you to places you don't like. Because he wants you to be the resurrection of the life in those places. It's not about a linear journey. It's not a linear journey. Let's get that out of our heads. It's not about a smooth run. In fact, it's a lot different to that. But it is a ride of your life. Whatever twists and turns come as being a Christian, it is amazing. Why? Because he is the rails that keep you on that journey. If you ever go on a roller coaster, whew, I mean, I'll, the kids love roller coasters. I took them down to the fairground yesterday, and, and I'm just all the way through the two minutes that they're on this thing. I'm thinking, please, Lord, keep them safe. I hope they don't come out. But when you've got a roller coaster and you're fixed on that thing, no matter how many twists and turns, as long as you're locked in, God will keep you locked in. He is secure. He's an anchor. So no matter what happens, no matter how many twists, turns and head knocks you get, no matter what you experience, he will keep you locked in. It will not fail. He does not need another security measure on the, on, on the thing. You know, you see these things that they have secondary security measures just in case one fails. His word over your life does not fail. It locks you in. So you can journey locked in. That's the difference. That's the difference. Because of his word. Some of us need to revisit our resistance. Jesus answered this. Are there not 12 hours 
of daylight. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble. For they have no light. You know what Jesus is saying here is this. Is that we're going to walk back there. But do you realize that we walk by the light? In fact, when you walk with me into what you... Do you think this is bad territory we're walking in? You've got to understand that when, you, when people walk in the day, they can see. When they walk at night, they stumble. But you have the light of the world with you. So the Son of God is upon you. He's with you. So in other words, when you get back to this place, know this, that you are walking with me. And, and I want to say to you today, some of us are stumbling because we're not realizing that we walk with him. We walk back to these places in life that feel like they've failed. You know, I, I've got to say, I have Christian people speaking to my life. And I've, I've got some great Christian input. But sometimes I'm, I'm amazed at what Christians say. I had, a, I had a, a pastor friend of mine not long back told me, he says, you know, you've got to accept the tough thing that you're going through right now. It's dead in the water. It's true. Dead in the water. I sat and listened to him. I thought, wow. No, I don't take that. I don't take things that are dead in the water. My God tells me that he's the resurrection and the life. My God tells me that things come alive again. And they'll come alive in whatever way he wants them to come alive. But he is who he says he is. And if I say that they're dead in the water, then that's giving up. We don't give up on God. We don't give up on Jesus. Second Kings 6. Elisha. He's cutting down the trees to make more room. And he has his followers, his disciples with him. And one of them's cutting down the trees. And his axe head falls off, falls into the water and sinks down. Says this, verse 6, the man of God asked, where did it fall? That's Elisha. He says, and when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it there and made the iron float. Wow. Do you know what? God is looking for people who will go and say, where is the place where it absolutely fell apart and you've lost your way? Where is the place where this thing sank, where you think there's no... Where is it? I, I was with my children in the summer, kept going down to the swimming pool down here, this, the deep sw outdoor swimming pool. And one day they threw their goggles in and they dropped down. It was so deep. And they said, Dad, we've thrown our goggles. We've got no idea where they are. I spent about an hour trying to get these things back. People were watching me. I kept trying to... Going down, coming back for air. I never found them. In the end, I had to ask someone, some younger child on the side, who could go under a lot longer than I could, to find them. I nearly gave up. I thought, well, it's easier to go to Sports Direct and buy another pair. Some right now in your life, it's easier to go and buy something new. It's easier to just have something new. It's just easier. But God is looking for a generation of men and women that are willing to see that actually when something's dead and failed, when the accent's fallen, a generation that says this, I ain't having something new because I know that I want to know where this place is. Where is it that it fell? And he throws a stick in the water in faith and the axe head floats. Let me remind you, metal does not float. God is looking for a generation that believe that iron floats. Come on, church. Hallelujah. But some of us, no, no, no. We don't, we, we miss these things. We miss opportunities. And, and let me tell you that the tomb 
was an opportunity. The dead thing was an opportunity for God to move. Tombs are great places. For the world they're not, they're gone. It's finished. But tombs are one of the best places for God to move. Especially Jesus Christ. The resurrection and the life. Do you know, I was, I was on Facebook the other day, and I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the app, it seems to know what I'm doing. It's true. I mean, I've spotted it a few times and said to people, whether it's picking up the microphone and hearing what I'm saying. But the other day, I've, I've had things where I've said things and thought, surely that's heard me speaking about this. And now I've got an advert telling me this. But yesterday, or, or two days ago, I was coughing. Just coughing. This is a true story. I was coughing. And then I went onto Facebook. And the advert popped up and said, don't struggle with that cough anymore. He said, don't let this cough ruin your day. My goodness me, this is, this is prophetic. We talked a lot about algorithms last week that allowing Google our searches for YouTube to teach us things. And before we know it, we're just thrown off course. We're tossed around by different teachings. Let me tell you this. Do you know what? If Facebook is recognizing my problem before another Christian is, is a problem. We've got to be people who see when someone's sick, it's an opportunity to release life. We've got to be better than Facebook. We've got to have an algorithm that's called the Holy Ghost inside of us that says this dead thing, this thing that looks impossible, this illness that's terminal over this person's life, that's an opportunity for Jesus to move. So that what you say is this. You go to the person, you don't get fearful and think, no, that's a dead, I don't pray for them because cancer, that when you get cancer, that I'm not going to pray for them because I don't want to fail on this prayer. You've got to go to that person and say this. I don't want you to struggle with that cancer anymore because I serve a God who is the resurrection and the life. He's a healer. Opportunities are tombs. Jesus is determined to go back. Come on, let's go back to where they stoned me. Let's go back because something's good's going to happen. Something amazing is going to happen. Trust me. And despite the death threats, Jesus goes. Do you know what? Jesus always wants to get to Jerusalem. Why? In fact, over time, it's where all the prophets have been rejected. You read the Old Testament, it's where the prophet... Do you know why? Because the enemy, just like I said, it does not want Jesus to get there. He is, he is bent on stopping the Son of God getting to that place. It's the place in the natural which looks a crazy place to go. The direction to rewind back to a place which has got hostility. But Jesus knows that that is my future. That is where I'm going. I'm going there to save people. The world says, carry on away, get into the wilderness, preach and just see a few people believe. Jesus says, no, I'm going back because I don't want a few people to believe. I want to touch the world with life. Hallelujah. Do you know what? I love these verses here in Luke chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. It says, the Pharisees came to Jesus once. He was in Jerusalem. They said, leave this place. And go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Get out. Go on. 
This is not for you. Jerusalem ain't the place for you. You need to leave. You're going to get killed. Jesus replies with an amazing answer. I love this. He replies, go tell that fox. Go tell that fox. Not Herod. Fox. I like Jesus. He's amazing, isn't it? Some of you thought it was just nice, calm. No, you go tell that fox. I'll keep driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and then on the third day I'll reach my goal. Nothing is going to stop me. No fox is going to stop me. I am not moving from this place. Today I'm going to keep on healing. Today I'm going to keep on casting out the devils. I'm going to keep doing the Father's work. But the third day, I'm reaching my goal. What's the goal? To die. To go in a tomb. My goal is to go to a tomb. In fact, I'm going to raid a tomb. I'm going to get Joseph's tomb. He's going to give it to me. But I'm going to be resurrected. Your goal sometimes is a tomb. It's not a comfortable life. Go tell those foxes to stop it. There are foxes trying to tell you to stop moving in the direction because you look too fanatical. You look too, you believe too much. You're a little bit too much on that end of the scale. Let me tell you, you're not. The foxes are trying to stop you. There's something in the Bible in Song of Solomon 2.15. It says this, the little foxes spoil the vine. I think that when Jesus heard Herod say this, he thought, you're one of them little foxes. You're spoiling the vine of what is about to come. It's time to say, I'm not having these foxes tell me differently. I'm not having the lies of the enemy try to stop me from going back to what I believe is real. And it's a reality that is resurrection. Hallelujah. Am I doing okay for time? Number one, we have to go back to that place of resistance. Rewind back. It's not a problem to go back. Number two, reverse your disappointment. John eleven thirty nine. 39, it says they got there and Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Martha said, this time there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Four days, don't you realize, Jesus? You move this thing, this thing stinks. If you'd have come a bit earlier than this, it wouldn't have smelt. Bad timing, Jesus. Just get this for a moment. You imagine, have you ever been to a funeral? I've been to a few. I've led a few. But you imagine going to a place where something's buried and saying, let's dig this thing up. You know, we're not talking about the coffin in the church. We're talking about the thing buried. Are the grave diggers here? I know you've just paid the money, but can you dig this thing back up? Now, are you crazy? There's decomposition set in place. Can you dig this thing back up? Yeah, but it costs money. We paid the grave diggers. Can you dig this thing back up? It smells. Dig it up. Are we a church that believes that when something's dead and buried, that it still has life? There's one thing when someone's just died, and I've, I've been to people and prayed for them to raise from the dead in hospitals near to here. 
There's one thing when they've just died and you can feel the heat still in the body, but I'm talking about when a body is buried. Essentially, what Jesus was doing is raiding not just the tomb, but he was raiding the funeral. I'm coming in and I'm going to show you something now. That everyone here is discouraged, but I'm going to change the atmosphere. Because I believe that he came into that situation and reversed their disappointment. You know, sometimes to remove a stone that's been set in place is a big thing. And some of us right now, you've got stones in front of you. In front of your life. That have been positioned. It's officially there. That's it. The stone is set. For you to shift that stone, you're pushing the boundaries. But I believe God is calling people to say, I'm not going to let my stone stay there. I'm going to rewind this thing. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to go back. I'm not just going back to the place of hostility. I'm going to rewind the funeral procession. I'm going to rewind what everyone's just watched when they put the stone. I'm going to take the stone back. Take that stone back. But if you do, there's nothing there. Take the stone back. If you take it back, you'll see life. Some of you have got to rewind your stones that you've put there. You've got to rewind them. Go back. Go back. Maybe you feel it's too big to move. Oh, I'm facing bankruptcy. Someone in here today, maybe you're facing that right now, bankruptcy. Financial failure. No, I can't. This can't change. Let me tell you, he's the God of resurrection. He's the God of life. Whatever you're facing, if it's a sickness today, that stone. Now, I positioned the stone. The doctor said this. No, listen, we've got to see a people rising up, a faith beginning to rise up inside of us that says, if this marriage has failed, if this has failed, this sickness has come upon me, this bankruptcy is coming against me, all these things are raging against me, I will not be changed in my faith. Are you as happy as I am? Come on, church. we got a belief. We're not coming here to sing some songs and just pretend that we believe. We believe. If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Whew. Reverse your disappointment. Stop being disappointed. Reverse it. Jesus said, verse 40 said, Did not I tell you, didn't I tell you, that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. Look, I'm, I'm reminding you again. I'm taking you back to what I said before. You forgot. If you believe, when this storm moves, he's going to come out. He's coming out. I told you this. Can't you remember? Rewind. Go back. Ah, yeah, but this is four days. I don't know if the word applies to four days, is it, when it smells. Go back. Didn't I not tell you? Didn't I not tell you? You know, my, I've just been, last night I was with my sister. She visited. I've told some of this story before, but my sister, in, when I was around 12, 13 years of age, she contracted meningitis, meningococcal. She, she, we got to a point where 24 hours she nearly died. They said she'll die within 24 hours or she'll be brain damaged. And I went through that as a young lad, saw my dad and the, the, the church pray and saw... My sister turned around in 24 hours to a miraculous turnaround. And today, she's three years older than me. She's got two kids and she's just been down to visit me. There's nothing, nothing wrong with her at all. 
A miracle occurred. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I saw God move as, as a young boy in our family. When she had her first child, a, a, a second child, sorry, a daughter, the, the, the baby ruptured in the womb, came out of the womb 15 minutes with no oxygen. They said, this baby is going to be either dead when we get it out or brain damaged. We prayed again. This is my sister who'd gone through that. We prayed again. Her daughter was with me last night. There's nothing wrong with she's not brain damaged. She's alive, totally normal. I saw those two things. Some of you know my son, little Lewis, when he was born, trouble with him in the hospital. He was born, he'd, he'd swallowed meconium, got into his system. They said he's not breathing properly. It's quite a serious thing. And I went up to him and I prayed. When the, before the doctors came in, I put my hand on his chest as he was trying to get this breath back. And prayed and said, God spoke in tongues over his body and said, God, give him life. And he breathed again. He coughed. He was fine. Listen to me. Do you know what? The enemy... And I look back on my life, sometimes when I rewind and look back, I realize all the att attempts that he's had to discourage our family, discourage my faith, discourage what things he's called me into. But listen to me, I am not determined to let these things change my direction because I am fixed on Jesus Christ. And to the day I die, to the day I die. So you better start telling Satan. You can put whatever you want against me because I've got nothing else to live for in this life other than him. I've, what? Tell me what value you have in something else. Tell me what value. People are valuable, but listen to me. He is the one who created them. I love people, but I love my creator. The Bible says, don't worship the created thing, worship the creator himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you have been worshipping people more than him. It's time to look to him again. The one who gave you the people in the first place. Hallelujah. You've got to say no to the devil. And rewind and say, I'm going back. Because this thing ain't dead yet. You foxes. Yeah, let that be. We'll have a new hashtag this week <laughs> for social media. Here you fuck. In fact, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Let's think of one. I'll think of one. The last, time we did the, last, the last time we did the other hashtag, we put it out and people saw it. They were like, I had people in the family, what's this? What are you writing about? Go get grapes. <laughs> I don't understand. Is there a problem? Have you got a problem? No, there's no problem. It's, it's amazing what a little hashtag can. I said, well, this is the story. Come on. <laughs> Finally, I'm coming to a close in my last point. But this is, number three is this, remove your restrictions. Remove your restrictions. John chapter 11, verse 43 to 44. Jesus called in a loud voice. I love that. Some of us think, oh, we shouldn't shout in church. Jesus did. If you're passionate about, if, you, if you've got to get to the point, you've got to Shout. Because sometimes it resonates in people's spirit a little bit more. I, I've seen people falling asleep in my sermons, don't worry. And the ones who are really giggling now are the ones who did it. <laughs> I'm only joking. But the, the thing is this, sometimes you've got to shout. 
because it catches people's attention. And when it catches their attention, it gets in the spirit. And when you hear the word of God, you believe. Some of us, the devil wants you falling asleep. He's oh, don't listen to this. You have a, just another sermon from Phil. No, it's not a sermon from me. I'm speaking about the word of God. And when the word of God brings life and it's God breathed. <laughs> if it's about me, you ain't going to get anything. It's dead in the water. That is dead in the water. Because if it's from me, I'm just a clanging symbol if without God. But the breath of his spirit brings life. And so today, you've got to understand that when you receive these words, they bring faith. Faith changes your reaction to life. And you've got to get, if you get that, don't think, oh, it's, it's not just another sermon. No, the, the word of God is being breathed out with the spirit, spirit and truth. And you let it change you on the inside and you'll start reacting differently to the situations that are going to come against you. Remove your restrictions. The dead man, I love this, came out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, Lazarus receives new life. He's resurrected from the dead. You'd think if God was all that powerful that those bandages would have just burst off of him. If he... If mountains melt like wax before him, why didn't the things just burn and just disintegrate and he walks out totally free? But he came out with bandages. Some of you right now in your Christian walk, you were resurrected, God did something in your life, but you've still got bandages. You've still got things that you need to get rid of. You can have a resurrection life. You can be born again of the Spirit of God, but we have to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. So you... Christianity is a journey. It's not, look at me. I'm going out and meeting Jesus. New white suit. You know, I'm just, look at me. They came out wrapped in strips of linen around his face as well. Could barely see. Could barely see. It's a process. It's a process. The book of Philippians says that. He that began that good work in you is going to come to complete it. Because that when you go through your journey, your life, God right now, and I believe he's doing it today, and by his spirit in this room, he's saying, I'm removing some bandages. I'm removing some stuff. My spirit's going to come, and he's going to start to work upon you, and he's going to start to, to get you to remove some of the stuff, some of the bitterness, some of the anger, some of the things that's wrapped around you. It's time to let these things go. So what the Spirit of God does is He gives us the ability and revelation to see these things need to go. Because there's one thing that God loves is obedience. God loves you to realize that I've got a new voice inside of me that decides to get rid of these things. Not because I'm trying to be holy, but because He's holy. So I want to get rid of this stuff because I've got a new voice. A new song inside of me. I don't know if you're feeling the Holy Spirit like I'm feeling it, but God gives you this ability to get rid of stuff. And he'll take you to the tombs to do it sometimes. Some of us, do you know what happens is we don't get rid of these things when we're a Christian. And, and this is why 
a false gospel, a gospel that is preached without repentance. Let me tell you this. If repentance is not preached in the gospel, it's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel if we do not preach repentance. We've got to give up the old stuff. And what God does, he gives you revelation to say, I want to get rid of this stuff. There are people right now, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to go with this, but in your homes right now, there's stuff in your lives, in your houses. There are things in your life that you need to get out of your home. They're bandages that are wrapping you and inhibiting your function, your movement. Some of you are struggling with alcohol, need to ditch the alcohol, get it out and say, God, give me life again. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe you that you set me free. I'm going to trust you. Some of you right now, you've got things in your life, you've you've got things you're looking at in your house that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Get them out. These are bandages. These are things that you have listened to the enemy, that the enemy said. You can have these things in your life as well. You can have and share God and me. You can mix it around. You can make a God in your own image. You can do whatever you like. It's a lie. You can't do whatever you like. You've got to get rid of it. They're bandages that are inhibiting your walk. Take the grave clothes off of him. Do you know what sometimes you've got to do? Notice in that story it says they said, take the grave clothes off. He couldn't get them off himself. What you need to be as a person that's got these things wrapped around you is the ability and vulnerability to let others tell you. To let others say to you, do you realize you've got something wrapped around your head there? Do you realize you've got a problem? Some of us are not like that. We come out with the grave clothes and, you know, someone comes up to you and says, do you realize you've got a bandage wrapped around your head? You say, leave me alone. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Only God judges me. Oh, dear me. You've got a problem then. Don't judge me. Leave me alone. You, you can see that. Some of us have got to be accountable and say, God... I want them, I want any, you, you choose to be accountable today and say, God, I'm going to be a vulnerable, humble person that says, you'll go to your friends, your closest friend as a Christian, go to the person in this church and say, if you see something on me that is not very good, will you tell me? Because will you tell me that if, if you see a bandage around my head that I didn't see, will you tell me? Because I'm giving you, I'm giving you the authority to speak into my life. Because if you do, you're going to be free. But so many of us, we're all coming to church, we don't tell anyone. Because we've been trained by the world to become politically correct. Don't say, don't upset, don't upset anyone. Just have a coffee, tell them, you know, God's with you, God bless you. <laughs> Listen, it's, we got to, if you want to see God do something in your life, and I'm not saying that manifestations like we saw this morning are the answer. Because let me tell you, God's done sometimes things in me that are not a manifestation of great power. So manifestations are great. But it's not the answer. It's not what we look for. It's when God's doing a heart surgery on our lives. He's doing something. 
So I've been very, you know, in my life through Christian walk, I've seen people get touched and thought, well, I ain't feeling a thing. Why is it that person's getting a touch? It does not differentiate your level of Christianity to see someone go down on the floor and be touched by the power of God. Let me tell you that now, because that's another thing that the enemy will lie to you about. Say, oh, Bucky here, she must be having a touch. She must be holy. Listen, I'll tell you, some of us need different methods. And I don't always fall around on the floor. I don't. But one thing I do know is I I trust God that if he's going to do that for someone else, praise God. Praise God. Do what you need to do, Lord. Some of us need to say, God, I'm ready. Put me on the operating table. You work on me. You do whatever you want. You let anyone tell and speak into my life. Because I'm telling you, the more we stand up and say, no one's speaking to my life. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You'll never get anywhere. Go and get his bandages off. Take them off. <laughs> he didn't struggle, did he? Just let him take them off. Repentance is important. Get rid of the old stuff. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 21, in the New Living Translation, he says this. Many of you have not given up your old sins. That's what he says to the Corinthian church. Many of you have not given up your old stuff. Many of you have not rewound and gone back and dealt with them things. You're pressing on towards the goal and you've got a load of linen wrapped around your neck. You've got all these things wrapped around your feet. You can't walk. You've not given up the old stuff. What does he say? You've not repented of impurity, sexual immorality, an eagerness for lustful pleasure. Let me tell you, I'm going to be strong here today. And sorry if I am, but this is the word of God. And it's going to change your life for the better. But listen to me. Some of us who now, when we're not married, we're sleeping together with other people. We're living a life that is outside God's plan for you. Let me tell you, it's linen wrapped around your legs. It's linen wrapped around your eyes so you can't see. When God got hold of me in 2002 and I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't want to sleep around anymore, people. I wanted to do things right. Not because I was trying to please God, because God got hold of me. And listen to me, you want to see change and transformation in your life? Start saying, I'm going to go back to these old things that I've not given up. In fact, I'm going to go away from here today and say, I'm going back to the old stuff. I'm going to start unraveling. I'm going to say to someone, will you speak into my life and tell me if I've got linen? Because I'll tell you, 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 you want a change. The devil does not want you to do that. He wants you to go away and say, no, no one judges me. This is my life. Don't touch. You put the do not disturb sign on your door. Leave me alone. Quiet time. Repentance is not just a change of mind. It's a change of the whole person. Repentance is not just changing your mind. If you change your mind and revelation comes, it transforms. It transforms everything. And so some of us need to get rid of this old stuff. Because true faith in Jesus Christ, without repentance... It's not going to change you. You need repentance. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. 
God bless and goodbye.